This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello, and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am still talking baseball, even though the World Series ended about a month ago, kind of, maybe, yeah, about a month ago. And, you know, the Houston Astros, the World Series champions, they made some big moves, and we are so happy to have everybody back in the fold for Crosstown Crosstalk after a marvelous Thanksgiving break that we enjoyed here at the Barroom Network last week. I hope everybody enjoyed their time. I'm going to get right into December by talking about one of the two teams in Chicago that is not the White Sox, the team I cheer for. We're going to talk about the Chicago Cubs. And when I think Chicago Cubs baseball, and I think of the best place to go for Chicago Cubs content, I think of two places. The first place is DeWindy City. DeWindy City is the great fan-sided site that me and our upcoming special guest are a writer for and do a great job covering all Chicago sports teams there. But recently, this guest has joined as the site expert of the other great Chicago Cubs website on the fan-sided network, Cubby's Crib. Of course, I'm talking about brand new Chicago Cubs site expert, Jordan Campbell. Jordan, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for the intro, Vinny. Absolutely, Jordan. First of all, congratulations on becoming the site expert of Cubby Crib. That is awesome. Yeah, it was a cool first hooker moment uh, for me for Fansided. Uh, when I first joined Fansided about 10 years ago, uh, I held the position. Uh, my daytime life kind of interfered with my ability to run the site at that time. So I'm just looking forward to being back in uh, atop with Jake and uh, leading a great team of writers. Very good, very good. In, in the past uh, couple years since I've been with the Windy City, we've had the site expert of Southside Showdown, Cubby's Crib, Blackhawk Up, Bear Goggles On, and um, Pippin Ain't Easy, I think is the bull set. Yeah. I believe every, all the site experts were with the Windy yeah. City at one point or another. And I think that's just so cool. And now me and you can do some White Sox-Cubs collaborations, especially yeah. as the, uh, the season comes around. I'm sure we'll be doing stuff like that. But before we get into baseball talk, or I guess this is part of baseball talk, before we get into the nitty-gritty of the offseason, what was your overall opinion of the 2020 Chicago Cubs? No, it was a tale of two halves. Uh, first half, I think the Cubs tried to give off the impression that they were going to try and contend. Um, once injuries kind of set in, once the fatigue of the pitching staff set in in May, that's when it became evident that it would be another rebuilding year. Uh, I would consider the first half kind of a failure in the sense that they weren't able to trade risks and Contreras at the trade deadline. Um from the beginning of the season until the trade deadline, it was very apparent that Contreras was not being brought back by the team. Uh, so a trade would have had to have happened. Unfortunately, it didn't. 
and the Cubs are now uh, on the verge of losing him without any compensation besides the uh, draft pick. And speaking of losing some franchise great players without any sort of compensation, the White Sox just recently lost out on Jose Abreu as he is now headed to the Houston Astros. The Chicago Cubs, along with the Boston Red Sox and San Diego Padres, were amongst the teams that were rumored to be the most heavily interested in Jose Abreu. Do you see the Cubs missing out on Abreu as a disappointing um, bit of news? Yeah. Uh, missing out on Abreu was definitely a disappointment. I don't think they – missed out on that contract. I don't think anyone foreseen or foresaw Houston going that extra third year. Um, other than that, Abreu would have been the perfect transition for the Cubs at first base um, with their upcoming prospect, Matt Mervis. They would have been able to platoon the two at first base or even use both um, in a lineup with one being a designated hitter against right-handed pitchers. So that was a miss I would consider for the Cubs, at least so far this offseason. Now that they are not getting Jose Abreu, he's headed off to the defending World Series champion Houston Astros. Do you believe that the Chicago Cubs have a next target post Jose Abreu, whether it be at first base, at another position, or maybe both? Yeah, I think you know, the Cubs have multiple needs across the field. First base is definitely one of them. Um, the fan base is extremely high on Matt Mervis, and rightfully so. He had a breakout season in their farm system in 2022. The thing that's important to remember with Matt Mervis is this is only going to be his third season in professional baseball. Um, for a team that's trying to contend, um, trying to put that much faith into a prospect who's only going to be in his third professional season is not the best strategy. So I definitely think the Cubs are going to add a first baseman here, um, whether it's at the winter meetings or definitely before spring training. Uh, one name I would keep an eye on is Trey Mancini. Uh, Trey Mancini has been a phenomenal clubhouse leader, and I think he would help the Cubs as they transition from rebuilding to contending. Absolutely. Uh, last year, the Chicago Cubs made a surprising move. Okay, they they brought in Seiya Suzuki, but they kind of Seiya Suzuki was always going to go to a team that kind of fit his certain bill. It didn't matter where they were in the rebuild or whatever. He wanted to go somewhere where he was comfortable and maybe would have a chance to win over those five years on his contract. But the surprising one was Marcus Stroman. I, I thought Marcus Stroman was going to sign with a team that is trying to win the World Series that year. He signed with the Cubs. They had the season that they had. But what did you make of his season as an individual? As an individual, I thought it was really well. Uh, once again, he's another player who has a tail of two halves. In the first half, he was trying to get accustomed to pitching at regular field, uh, pitching um, in the National League Central Division. But towards the end of the season, he truly did emerge as that, maybe not number one, but definitely a number two starter that you can pencil into your rotation. And there was stuff from the New York media about Stroman and his character outside of the game of baseball. So far from what I've seen, he's been a phenomenal teammate, whether it comes from supporting the prospects or even trying to recruit players to uh, Chicago this offseason. Don't you love when media people try to act like they know the person's character, like they know nothing about um, Marcus Stroman and they're just making judgments based on what they think they know about him based on the perception of the way he plays games. Just because of the way he plays games, you have no clue what he's like away from the field. Agreed. And uh, Stroman, he's definitely a brand, so I know uh, his brand on Trillo can sometimes uh, rub people the wrong way. Um, but from what I've seen of him, and I've heard of him in terms of being inside that clubhouse, he's definitely viewed as a leader. 
Yeah, absolutely. And just be even if he's rude to people in the media, media people are a-holes too. So sometimes what you get from <laughs> them against the media isn't what you get for them in real life. Same thing kind of goes for someone you touched on already earlier in the show, Wilson Contreras. The Cubs did not trade him at the trade deadline, even though they let him do a little bit of a farewell tour. They kind of put him in a tough position there because they made it look like they were trading him. He's crying on the field. He ends up being brought back the following Monday. It was just a weird, weird scene at Wrigley Field in the middle of the summer. So where do you project he's going to go next? Thanks to Houston Astros. I think uh, at the trade deadline, you know, the Cubs and the Astros were trying to finalize a deal that would have sent uh, Contreras to Houston for Jose O'Curley. Um, unfortunately, it was rejected by Dusty Baker at the time, uh, only because he believed uh, O'Curley could have been a major asset to the World Series run. Um, but now, you know, all it would cost to take Contreras is this money. And between his ability as a two-way catcher with his uh, arm and his offensive bat and then also just his presence in terms of being an emotional leader I think that's a, another great fit for the Astros yeah I think the Houston Astros adding someone like Abreu and Contreras would certainly help to their on-field production but it would also help bring great veteran leadership to their room as well now they instead of getting Contreras they made the trade with Boston for Christian Vasquez and I saw a piece on Vasquez ended up on cubbyscrib.com I want to know what your take if the Cubs do end up not re-bringing back Contreras, which is probably the likely scenario at this point. Would you be cool with Christian Vasquez coming back, or would you just rather at this point, if it's not Contreras, try to develop someone younger in the system? Yeah, I'm 100% a fan of the uh, potential Christian Vasquez signing. Based on what the Cubs are looking for out of the catching position in terms of truly wanting a game manager, truly wanting someone that can manage a pitching staff, Vasquez definitely checks all those boxes. Um, in addition to that, he does have some offensive success as a catcher in Major League Baseball. So it definitely would be a great pairing for the Cubs in terms of bringing in a veteran catcher that has success with walking with pitching staffs and can also be a bit of an offensive uh, stability behind the plate as well. Is there a Chicago Cubs prospect that maybe doesn't get talked about as much? Like obviously Peter Crow Armstrong is somebody that people are obsessed with. We've had Brennan Davis on the show. He seems like he's going to be just a marvelous major league player one day. I really like Cole Franklin. We had him on the show as well. He's yeah. a very interesting person, but is there somebody that they don't, you don't hear often about that you think could impact the team one day? Yeah, I think it's going to be out for Owen Casey. Um, he had a tremendous um, – he wrapped up the season in Arizona and had a tremendous fall league. And after struggling at the beginning of the season, the Cubs' low A affiliate, he kind of turned it around. He found some success in terms of finding the power in his swing. And if he could just build upon that in 2023, I think we could really see a breakout season from him in terms of emerging towards the top of the Cubs' prospect rankings. So let's say the Cubs add one good free agent, bring up two pretty good prospects, and that's the team set up for 2023. You know, just a pretty good off. We'll say in a, a B plus off season. What would your expectations for the 2023 season become? Definitely a return to the postseason. I don't think it's realistic to consider the Cubs as being a true contender yet. Even if they are successful in landing one of the shortstops, they still have several pieces um, missing that would prevent them from being a legitimate contender for the World Series. However, the National League Central is a weak division. Uh, their pitching staff really turned it on towards the end of last season. If they find that success again, uh, on top of adding a one of the shortstops, I think the Dubs, Cubs can definitely contend uh, next season. 
Absolutely. And so going into the winter meetings, is there anything you're hoping for to see from the Cubs right off the bat or hoping they just kind of take it easy? And if the winter meetings present something good, that's fine, but you can't rush just because it's the winter meetings. Like what's your whole take on that thing when it comes to the Chicago Cubs and how they're run? I think the Cubs have to be prepared to act quickly in the shortstop market. For the past year and a half, we've been seeing the Cubs linked to each of Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner, Dansby Swanson. Um, And the expectation has been that the Cubs will land one of those shortstops. Now, based on what national reporters are saying in regard to the winter meetings, it sounds like things could pop up rather quickly. So the Cubs might not want to set the market for the shortstops, but they definitely have to be willing to act quickly. Say Trey Tono signs to a good deal with the Phillies, they have to be prepared to jump on either Correa or Xander Bogarts as that target to make sure that they don't lose out on uh, any of those four shortstops. And let's pretend that you, Jordan Campbell, are the GM slash president of the Chicago Cubs and Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, and Xander Bogarts are all begging you to sign them. Which one of those three would you pick? I would pick Carlos Correa. Uh, much like we were talking about Stroman, Correa is a brand, and the Cubs are just in need of that brand that represents a franchise player. Correa, whether his media hits with MLB Network or just in general when he's speak, speaking with reporters, you can see that he truly understands the modern nature of Major League Baseball, and he could act as a bridge from the front office goal to implement that within the clubhouse. But on top of that, you're talking about a perennial five-war, six-war player, if the Cubs can add that to their team for 2023, it definitely moves this needle and puts them back in the right direction. Absolutely. And so I got one more baseball question for you before I pivot to the big question to end the the segment here. Aaron Judge, a new report came out 50-50 between the New York Yankees and the San Francisco Giants, two teams on the opposite ends of our country. What's your prediction on where he's going to land and why? So I'm a fan of chaos. I would love to see Aaron Judge go to the Giants. I think if Judge does not return to the Yankees, that will flip the market upside down. The Yankees will have to pivot likely maybe to one of the shortstops. And if that's the case, who knows where any of these players are going to go. I agree with you. The entire scope of major league baseball will change if judge picks a new team because now all of a sudden one of the premier teams in the league in terms of expectations for 2023 is missing a guy who hit 60 home runs last year with a 300 average came just short of winning the triple crown and that could affect teams like the cubs the white Sox, with their plans because now all of a sudden the yankees are going to have more money to spend elsewhere and that's going to hurt everybody in the long run so some people might should probably be careful what they wish for if they're over (laughs) here just begging for judge to leave the Yankees now as a White Sox person I I think it'd be awesome if he went to the Giants (laughs) they're not spending money anyway the Yankees aren't taking anything away from them but before we let you go we're all big Chicago Bears fans over at the Windy City and it's painful unfortunately what are your thoughts though on Justin Fields and how he has progressed from about week eight until right now yeah, I mean, I think entering the season is very clear that you can't evaluate the Bears season on wins and losses. You have to evaluate it on whether or not Justin Fields takes a step forward. And what we've seen in the past month is that he has. They've created an offense that fits his unique capabilities as a quarterback in terms of being able to use his speed to get to the outside, make tacklers miss, and then transition that up the field 
where we see these 55, 60 yard touchdown plays. Um, the passing isn't there yet, but it is taking steps forward. I think that's going to come once they have offensive line improvement, once they find that receiver this offseason, that kind of he could build confidence to know that he's going to throw it up there and that receiver's going to catch it. You started to see that a little bit with Mooney here in the past month. Unfortunately, uh, Mooney is going to be out for the rest of the year, so we won't be able to see if that develops more. Maybe it's Chase Claypool, but I'm definitely uh, arrows definitely trending up for Justin Fields. I think so too. And the fact that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers have shown steady decline, and I'm not necessarily certain that the Minnesota Vikings will keep this up over the next three or four years long-term, maybe next year, but long-term, it's just not, I don't project it to be what it is. So hopefully the Bears can be what we think they are. Jordan, you have been wonderful on this show. You've given us plenty of your time. I appreciate you very much for coming on. Is there anything you would like to do to promote yourself, promote Cubby's crib, Lay it all out there for everyone to hear. Of course. You could follow me on Twitter, uh, at CampbellJordan underscore. More unfortunately, you could follow Cubby's Crib, at Cubby's Crib on Twitter. We're very excited about the offseason. We have a team of talented writers. So um, looking forward to the content we're going to iron out here within the uh, coming weeks. Absolutely. Congratulations on becoming the site expert of Cubby's Crib. It is the best Chicago Cubs website on planet Earth. Cubby's Crib and Southside Showdown are going to have some duels this summer. I'm so looking forward to it. Looking forward to it, yeah. Absolutely. Going to be a lot of fun. And everyone, thank you so much to Jordan. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, and we will send you to a quick commercial break. Hey, everyone, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know that you can watch Crosstown Crosstalk on our YouTube channel. The best way to stay on top of all of our live shows is to subscribe to the Barroom Network's YouTube page, and you will get notifications on your device letting you know when the Barroom is live. So subscribe now. Welcome back to Crosstown Crosstalk. What a marvelous interview with Jordan Campbell. Few people on the internet are as smart about their favorite teams than him. You can follow him on Twitter at Jordan Campbell underscore great stuff from him. Cubby's crib and DeWindy city. I I edit Jordan stuff for DeWindy city. He is one of the most talented writers. I think I've ever come across in terms of, you know, seeing what they believe and like helping put it out there in terms of writing and speaking. He, He just did a wonderful job. So I'm very excited to see what the future holds for him and Cubby's crib and his Chicago Bears content at the Windy City. Actually, he even writes a Chicago White Sox piece every now and then for the Windy City. So, Jordan, outstanding baseball content there. We are so thankful that you joined us. Okay, let's get right to it. Last week on this show, we didn't have a show because it was Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, outstanding holiday. It was a lot of fun. And then the very next day, it's like last Thanksgiving, I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away. Jose Abreu to the Houston Astros. That is one of the most devastating moves I can recall as a Chicago White Sox fan in a very long time, and I'll tell you why. Jose Abreu is one of the premier players to ever put on that uniform. I mean, that's just a fact. When I think of the all-time greats that ever played for the White Sox, I'm thinking Frank Thomas. I'm thinking Paul Konerko. A.J. Pierzynski, Mark Burley, Carlton Fisk, Shoeless Joe Jackson, if you want to go way back. I mean, there are Belton, Bill Melton. There are plenty of great players that have played for this team throughout history. It hasn't always translated to wins, but the White Sox have a rich history of great players playing for them. Jose Abreu is one of them. He's third all-time in home runs for the White Sox. The only people ahead of him are Frank Thomas and Paul Konerko, two guys who have their number retired, have statues at the stadium. 
I thought Abreu could end up being one of those guys. He still might be. They still might retire his number one day because of the fact that he won an MVP as the American League's most valuable player back in 2020. They could give him a statue. He's one of the best players to ever put on the uniform. It wouldn't surprise me. The White Sox might give me a statue one day. They give literally everyone a statue. They're one of the like premier statue teams in the league. Kind of overdrawn a little bit, but I, if in terms of Abreu, I think he would deserve it if they're giving him out to everyone. And he's off to the one team in the American League that you were kind of hoping he wouldn't go to. I would rather him go to the Astros than the Guardians or the Twins, personally. But outside of the teams in the division, if we're talking American League teams that we didn't want to see Abreu go to, it is the Houston Astros. That is the team that most recently eliminated the White Sox in the postseason, and that came in 2021. That was kind of the last time we saw the White Sox for what we wanted them to be. The Houston Astros kind of broke them in that series, and things haven't really been the same since losing that game four. Uh, it was a day game, makeup game from the rain delay the day before. The the Astros are good. I mean, they're returning a lot of their team from last year, and it, they replaced Yuli Gurriel with Jose Abreu. What an upgrade that is. And Gurriel, batting title, good player, two World Series championships for him. It's just you're getting Jose Abreu, who's like a perennial batting title, like contender, RBI title contender. Things were down power number-wise a little bit this last year, but they were for the White Sox across the board, and a lot of people, including myself, believe that it was largely because of a difference in approach to previous years. They weren't trying to drive the ball out of the park as much as they were trying to hit singles, and when you're trying to hit singles more often than home runs, that's not the best way to win baseball games in the year 2022. It might have worked. The White Sox would have won the World Series with this approach in 1949. But in 2022, you got to be able to drive the ball. You have to have a high OPS. You have to create runs. And in order to, you have to buy runs. And in order to buy wins, you have to buy runs, as they say in Moneyball. And Jose Abreu helps you create runs when you're using him the right way. So, what did Jose Abreu do, though, with this approach change? He only led the league in hits. I mean, it's just unbelievable how whatever the team wants him to do, he could figure out a way to be the best at it. And the Astros are adding him to a pool of talent. Major League Baseball on Twitter.com, their official page at MLB, posted a potential Houston Astros starting lineup with Jose Abreu added. And it reads as follows. Leading off, playing second base, Jose Altuve. What a leadoff hitter. Guys going to the Hall of Fame. Love him, hate him, somewhere in the middle. Altuve is going to be a Hall of Famer for sure. Unbelievable leadoff man. Batting second is Carlos Correa's replacement, Jeremy Pena, who is arguably better at playing shortstop for the Houston Astros than Carlos Correa. He'll be batting second, third, Jordan Alvarez, the designated hitter. One of the truly great DHs in the game right now. I honestly think he's probably the best DH in the league. And he's probably the best Cuban-born player, as Phil Selig said on this show a couple months ago when he, Cuba Dugout, was on the show. and. Just what a player. What a player he is. Batting fourth, uh, Alex Bregman, third baseman. We know what he can do. Okay, top three in MVP voting twice, I think. Just one of the great players in the league. Kyle Tucker, sixth, playing right field. Batting sixth, Jose Abreu, you know, the first baseman. Imagine Jose Abreu batting sixth. That would happen in like an American League All-Star game lineup. Jose Abreu batting sixth, and he's going to be doing it with the Astros probably pretty regularly. Chaz McCormick, left fielder. Guys, his name is Chaz. And he's sick, batting seventh. 
He was awesome in the World Series. He was awesome in the playoffs. Makes a big impact playing left field for them. Jake Myers playing center field. That's an interesting one. Batting eighth. We'll see if he's able to be a contributing factor to their offensive lineup. And then they have Martin Maldonado as the projected starting catcher. Of course, Maldonado had surgery right after the World Series, but he's expected to be back throughout spring training and will be their starting catcher next year. Now, Jordan thinks that they're going to get Wilson Contreras. If they have Wilson Contreras and Martin Maldonado as their catching duo in 2023, I think that will be the best catching duo in the league for a variety of reasons. Wilson Contreras is an okay defensive catcher, but he has a wonderful arm. His ability to throw the baseball to any base at any given time hard is probably second to none in the entire league. But Martin Maldonado is just so maniacal in the way that he catches and just the impact he makes on defense as the starting catcher is probably the reason he's the only player in their starting lineup that can't hit for shit. And he still is in their lineup almost every single, I mean, Martin Maldonado is a bad hitter, but he's the best defensive catcher in the league. The things he does to help prevent runs from the catching position, even to prevent base runners from advancing and pitchers throwing more strikes and buying strikes from umpires by being a really good pitch framer. There are a few better than Martin Maldonado. So when he does get the rare home run or hit or, you know, big time RBI, I think it's just a cherry on top for the Astros. Now you combine that with the potential of Wilson Contreras playing in offensive heavy moments. And then you have him in the defensive heavy moments. That's a good situation for the Houston Astros. I think they're going to be a loaded team once again in 2023. It would not shock me at all if they repeat as World Series champions next year. If Abreu is healthy and playing well, I'll almost be rooting for it because I want to see that guy get a ring unless they're playing someone I like a little more like the Atlanta Braves, like their Boston Red Sox, two of my three favorite teams in all baseball. I would probably root for Jose Abreu in the Astros. Now, speaking of the White Sox, they made a big signing right after Thanksgiving as well. It was right before the Jose Abreu thing. They signed Mike Clevenger to a, I think it's a one-year deal. They're giving him 12 mil a year. Um, Clevenger is an interesting fellow. He is one of the two goofballs who broke COVID protocol in the 2020 season, and the Cleveland Indians were not happy with him and the way that he handled that whole situation, not following the rules of the team. And no matter what your opinions are, the whole protocol thing for back then, the fact of the matter is you got to be a good teammate, and he was not a good teammate at that point in time. They ended up trading him away to the San Diego Padres, and just a couple starts into his Padres tenure, they announced he needs to be out for the year with Tommy John. And not only is he going to be out for the rest of this short 2020 season, he is going to miss the entire 2021 season recovering from this elbow surgery known as Tommy John. And then he comes back in 2022 and is very mediocre to bad at times. But he was on a rotation that ended up making it all the way to the NLDS before they lost to the Philadelphia Phillies with a chance to go to the World Series on the line. Clevenger used to be at one point an all-star level pitcher before the Tommy John. The White Sox were all in on the White Sox were the rumor was they were going to trade Kopech for Clev in the 2020 short season. Thank goodness they didn't because now they have both. But is Clevenger worth it here in 2022 the way he might have been in 2020 when Kopech wasn't even playing yet because he opted out of that short season? It's an interesting thought, but I, I like this Clevenger signing. And there are a lot of White Sox fans that don't like it. And I, I just really don't get it because – he had an ERA similar. It was lower than Giolito's, but it was right around where Lance Lynn was hovering for most of the year. And everyone's all in on Lance Lynn, but Clevenger, he just has this like stigma around him. And listen, if Clevenger and Giolito can like get back to the cat's lab, adjust some things and get themselves ready for the season, I think there's a chance that this is one of the better rotations in the American league problem though. 
they're all right-handed. Every single one of them, right-handed pitcher. Clevenger, Cease, Lynn, Giolito, and Kopech. All of them have very high ceilings. All of them, except for Cease, kind of have low floors. And I think there's a chance that they could go on and, you know, have a really good season. If they don't, though, it's going to be an issue. They need a lefty. I think there's a chance that they go out and get the lefty, but they they have to make a trade or something like that in order for that to happen. The White Sox are not a good team as 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 they stood in 2021, but or in 2022, excuse me, but there's a chance that they bring this rotation back and add Clevenger to it in place of Dallas Keuchel or Johnny Cueto, and one of them goes on to have a or all of them go on to have a really good season and help the White Sox get back into the postseason. Now, moving on, Aaron Judge. We talked about it with Jordan a little bit. We kind of set down some predictions. There's a chance that Aaron Judge leaves the New York Yankees. That would be absolutely monumental for the game of baseball, and I don't see a world where the whole league isn't impacted if he does leave the New York Yankees. A report came out right before we went live on air that Aaron Judge is 50-50 between the New York Yankees and the San Francisco Giants, who he grew up cheering for, which makes it an interesting sort of scenario. You got the team that he's played for his whole career, the team that helped him grow up and become a great player versus the team that he grew up cheering for. And I'm not going to lie. Think about if you were a major league free agent and two teams were begging you to take their $400 million for the next eight years. They're both begging you to take that much money from them, right? One of them is the team that you just had a very disappointing ending with where the fans of said team literally booed you even though you hit 62 home runs last season and was one of the main reasons they were even in the postseason to begin with. And the other is the team from the Bay where you're not going to have too many eyeballs on you compared to the Yankees and you grew up cheering for them. I understand why Judge would go play for the Giants. And it would just make a lot of sense in my brain. So we'll see if they end up being the team that you know, wins the Aaron Judge lottery. Now, we talked about it with Jordan a little bit. If Judge leaves the Yankees, the Yankees are going to go on a tirade. They're going to take all that money that they were going to spend on Aaron Judge, and they're going to try and steal everybody else. And they're going to win some of those battles. I do think they land one of the shortstops if Judge leaves. Why wouldn't Bogarts or Correa go give the Yankees a chance? Trey Turner seems like a typical New York Yankee type of player. Why wouldn't one of those guys go play with the Yankees if they know they're going to get good playing time on a winning team in a pretty competitive division where every single game is going to feel fun, feel important? That is just where I stand on the whole thing. If I had to make a prediction on how it's going to go, I would predict that Aaron Judge leaves the New York Yankees and signs with the San Francisco Giants. I'm leaning that way. I think it's going to happen. Part of me thinks he just kind of had a bad taste in his mouth after being booed at Yankee Stadium by Yankee fans. I mean, what are you doing? He wasn't the best in the postseason, but he certainly wasn't the worst. He wasn't the reason that you guys only scored four runs in a sweep of the Houston, by the Houston Astros. That's not his fault. It's not his fault at all. And could he have been better? Yeah, but there's a reason the Astros only gave up like 13 runs the entire postseason, and seven of them came in the very first game against the Seattle Mariners. I mean, that pitching staff had as dominant of a postseason as I can recall a team having ever, including the 2005 White Sox who shut everybody down. So 
we'll see what happens. I hope Aaron Judge leaves. That'd be awesome. The Yankees will get a little worse, I think, even if they do sign one of the shortstops. I mean, Aaron Judge is a top five hitter in the game, if not top one. And then, you know, we'll see what happens. It'll make the Rays and the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, a little, and even the Baltimore Orioles a little happier if that team got just a little bit worse. And it would also bruise the ego of the New York Yankees, I think, if a top hitter like that left their team. Because normally they're the ones adding guys like that, but it is what it is. The Boston Red Sox, they're in trouble. They came in last place this last season. They didn't have an abysmal year. They're not your typical last place team. I think they would have been like a third or fourth place team in most of most divisions, which is still not good enough when you're the Boston Red Sox. But they're in serious danger of losing the entire left side of their infield. Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts are not extended going into next season. Are they leaving? Are they going to be able to get a deal done in place where they're, you know, kind of doing their thing? I'm not sure that that's going to be the case. So if the Red Sox are in trouble, if they lose both of them, they're kind of still even in trouble if they lose one of them. So we'll see if they're able to do so. I hope that they're able to retain both. It would make the Red Sox better. And I believe when the Red Sox are better, the league is better. I'm rooting for them to sign both of them. Later tonight, we have the Buffalo Bills versus the New England Patriots. Hopefully this game lives up to the hype that is surrounding it. I'm excited for Thursday night football. Every single time these two teams play, it seems like there's something fun about it. I'm a little worried for the New England Patriots. The Pats are not – they haven't been very good against running quarterbacks. You saw Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields kind of make mincemeat of them when they played them. Now they got Josh Allen, who might be one of the best running quarterbacks in the league, I think. He's right there with Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, I believe. I believe he's the Bills' leading rusher, and I believe he's their second in rushing attempts. So watch out for those Buffalo Bills against the New England Patriots tonight. Of course, the Barroom Network is an outstanding place to keep up with all your football needs. Um, I highly encourage everybody to watch what's going on. I know Joe Mandel is doing a great job with Fantasy Football Goon uh, every Sunday morning, talk, getting you ready for your fantasy lineups. But And listen, baseball is here. It, just because it's December, that doesn't matter. The winter meetings are about to start, and I think there's a really good chance that the White Sox and the Cubs become part of the news story over that little week in you know next week with the winter meeting. So I can't thank everybody enough for coming on. We have a very, very special guest next week. We are going to be welcoming back to the program Pitching Ninja. Rob Friedman is going to be joining the show next week for you all next Thursday, and that'll come after a day after Frank Mueller and I do our episode of Bar Down Talking Hockey. Excellent stuff going on here at the Barroom Network. I can't encourage people to watch this stuff enough. Nice shout out on Dan and Aldo, Bear Their Souls on Tuesday. I was enjoying the show. Outstanding stuff. Thank you very much to everybody for always tuning in and supporting the Barroom Network. And I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. We have a great holiday season coming up. As always, thank you for listening.